What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your walk toward becoming a saint. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, apologetics, relationship advice, and I will pray with them. I will speak to people who, who might be experts in those fields. And then I will respond. Uh, the reality is this. I'm not perfect. I'm imperfect. And so there might be times where my advice might not be helpful for you. If that's the case, if it does not help you to grow in virtue, then I just want to encourage you and advise you to trash whatever it is that I say that is not good. However, if my advice is good for you and helpful for you to grow in virtue and in holiness, then I really want to invite you to lean in to Jesus Christ deeper in prayer so that he can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship. You can hit me up with your own questions and comments and critiques from today's show or previous episodes at askfatherjosh at assistantpress.com. And you can shoot me more questions for future episodes at that address as well. And finally, you can share the show on your social media post, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, whenever you share the show on social media, it helps more people find out about it. And if the show is a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for them. And you could be the bridge that God uses to draw them to encounter Jesus in the sacrament of life of his church one day in their walk toward him. On today's show, we're going to be talking about saints and sacraments. So we're going to be discussing the intercession of the saints, especially like when it gets kind of confusing, like, what is that worship of saints? Do we need to do that? Is that cool? We're going to talk about the fast before communion. And we're also going to talk about confession hopping. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. Today's glory story actually happened this this morning. I was going to the hospital to go visit one of my parishioners who just gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. And um, as I was leaving the hospital and I was walking toward the elevator, uh, her other kids and her mom came out of the elevator and her youngest son, uh, she has a daughter now who's younger than her son, youngest son, but her, her youngest son, middle child, uh, Tucker, when he saw me, he's, he's two and a half uh, years old. And when he saw me, he ran up to me and he said, Jesus, and gave me a big old hug. And I just remember, I was like, whoa, he just called me Jesus. And he always says, like, when I'm processing in church for mass, he looks at me and he points and he says, Jesus, Jesus. And, and that always reminds me of my senior, uh, John Essef. My senior Essef, uh, he's an exorcist and a spiritual director up north um, and in the Diocese of Scranton. And, and he's just a holy, holy, holy priest. Uh, he, his spiritual director was Monsignor, uh, no, Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio. And so St. Padre Pio was his spiritual director for many years. And so I was able to do an eight-day silent retreat with him a number of years ago. And it was very beautiful. He, he's very anointed. Um, but one of the, the things that he kept reminding me in spiritual direction, he would say, who are you? Who are you? And uh, ultimately, as the Lord would reveal it in prayer and in the word of God, like, I am the body of Jesus Christ. When the Father looks at me, the Father looks at the body of Jesus Christ. And we know this is true because in the scriptures, in the Acts of the Apostles, whenever Jesus saw Saul persecuting the church, the Christians, he didn't say, why are you persecuting my disciples or my apostles or my believers, my church? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because whenever the father looks upon his beloved sons and daughters um, who've been baptized, he sees the body of Jesus Christ. And so this little two and a half year old saw the true reality of of me. Like he saw me as the father sees me as the body of Jesus Christ. He saw me. 
as that. And it was just a beautiful reminder because then after he said it, I, I went downstairs and I was just praying. I was like, man, man, God, you know, that's not the first time a little kid has, has said that and just re- reminded me of something that sometimes I could forget. Right. Sometimes I forget that, um, that that's that's my core identity is I am a member of the body of Jesus Christ. I am the father's beloved son uh, with whom he is well pleased. And, and sometimes I, I think I can forget that because so often, especially just being in, in the public as a pastor um, and, and now as an author and, and speaker, um, sometimes people can they they know about me and they can like and they say things, you know, to to me. Um, on social media or to people I know, they can come back to me and say, hey, so-and-so said this about you. And, and, it's, and, and they, can, they try to give me an identity and try to place me into a box based on, on their camp that they like to uh, abide in. You know, so some people who are, are really progressive, you know, they might see me and they might say something like this, oh, Father Josh is way too traditional. Um, and they put me in that box of being traditional, but our, our traditionalists are tratty or trad. Um, but then someone who places themselves in that box of traditionalist, tradie, trad person, they, they say, oh, Father Josh is way too progressive, right? They put me in that box of progressive because they, they identify themselves with that particular camp or somebody who's conservative might say, man, Father Josh, man, he's, he's liberal. I've, I've heard that before, right? Um, and, and other people who are liberal, they look at me and they say, man, Father Josh, he's too conservative, right? So I don't fit in any of these boxes that people like to abide in, and I, I'm grateful I don't. I'm not a traditionalist, and I'm not a liberal, I'm not a conservative, um, and I'm not progressive. I'm just, I'm just Father Josh. If, if you want to put me in a, in a box, how about you define me the same way that Jesus Christ defines me, as a member of his body? Right? Father Josh is a member of the body of Christ. Father Josh is a necessary member of the body of Jesus Christ, who's a limited member of the body of Jesus Christ, who recognizes that he is a sinful a member of this body and who is, he struggles to be a saint. He desires to be a saint. He goes to confession uh, once a week and is walked toward eternity to, to receive those graces from, from the Lord to become a saint one day. Father Josh is a member of the body of Christ who loves the Eucharist and who loves our Blessed Mother very much, uh, who, who loves our Lord who desires to abide in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, um, not only in heaven, but now on earth. Um, if you want to define me, um, that's how you could define me, right? That's the box you could put me in. And so uh, that child, Tucker, uh, reminded me today, like, that's, that's who I am. I'm not who these people say I am, right? I'm not the sum of my mistakes um, or my failures or even my success. I'm, I'm simply the Father's beloved. I'm, I'm simply a disciple of Jesus Christ, who desires to abide with him forever. Um, so that kid was a great God moment for me this morning uh, at the hospital. So shout out to, to, to the Lord speaking to me through baby Tucker. All right, before we get into today's show, I have some follow-up from previous episodes. First one comes in from Donna. Donna says this, Dear Father Josh, thank you for your vocation. I appreciate the time and energy you take to answer the questions that are posed to you. You do so with great thought and gentleness. When I boycott a business or cancel a subscription, Starbucks, Target, Netflix, etc. Or do you say Target? What you say? Target or Target? Um, yeah. When I was in the airport this week and uh, I went, I flew back to New Orleans. I'm on my way back to Santa They said, "Oh, you going to New Orleans?" I'm like, "I don't say New Orleans. It's New Orleans." Anyways, or as my friend Jennifer says, New Orleans. Um, Back to what you said, whenever I boycott a business or cancel a subscription, Starbucks, Target, Netflix, etc., I first write them a letter and let them know why I no longer plan to give them my money. 
I usually give them a deadline to respond back to me in case something changes, i.e. they reverse or move away from the decision that caused me to boycott them. After that date, I hold firm and take my hard-earned money where it will be appreciated and not used for evil. I believe that if we as a church rose and voted, spent our money, etc., as a church, then we could eradicate so much of the evil that is in the businesses and on our TVs. People are not willing to be uncomfortable in order to do the greater good. They just built another Starbucks within a mile of my house. I have to pass up two of them to get to a place to buy coffee. That is not convenient. I don't do it because I'm better than others. I do it because it's right. Thank you for slaying the dragons. I pray you continue to work uh, your work for many years to come, Donna. Donna, look, thank you so much for your thoughtful, thoughtful, thoughtful feedback. Uh, I think what you're saying is so true. If we rose up as a church, we could we could address so many institutional and systemic evils in so many institutional, systemic, um, just corrupt um, television programs and coffee shops and businesses and supermarkets and stores. Uh, if we just rose up together, united as a church, as a body of believers. So God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, your work is necessary. I think as St. Oscar Romero says, or there's a quote that's oftentimes attributed to St. Oscar Romero, but I think somebody else actually said it, but whatever. Um, basically, it's, it's, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to do my little piece, and I might not be able to do everything, but I could do something. And what you're doing is something, and it's something that's really important. So thank you for that. Uh, next feedback comes in from Haseno. Haseno says, hey, Father, love your advice, period. Thank you so much. Pray for me. Pray for me, Haseno. I need your prayer so I can continue to potentially give good advice that can help you to grow in virtue. And finally, Mary. Mary from Mary, did you know? That's your baby boy. Yes, she knew. She knew. What you asking that question for? Of course she knew. <laughs> uh, Father Josh, thank you uh, for your frank and honest witness uh, the, <laughs> regarding the same. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm laughing because I, I, I think that uh, there's so much controversy around that song, Mary, did you know? And I remember I, I, said, in the, I said in the past I was going to give you all some of my thoughts on that around Christmas time, and I didn't. So remind me this Advent season and our Christmas season to talk about Mary that you know when that comes up in December. Um, so anyways, back to Mary's follow-up. Father Josh, thank you for your frank and honest witness regarding the same-sex attraction question. While I'm sure it was difficult, a difficult subject to address, you did it with much grace, love, and kindness that the Holy Spirit was truly speaking through you. I plan to listen to it several times so that I can hopefully speak the truth as graciously as you did in case I have to defend my faith. Great job, and thank you for answering his call. Mary, thank you so much. Look, um, yeah, it's, it's, those kind of questions are always difficult um, because um, they just are, you know? And, but I, I, I love my brothers and sisters, and I love every single one of my brothers and sisters, um, my brothers and sisters who have same-sex attraction and my brothers and sisters who have heterosexual attraction. Um, I love them all, and so I, I want them all to... to um, become the greatest potential saints that they can be in their walk toward eternity. And so sometimes, uh, yeah, the advice that I give, it's hard. It's hard to hear. Um, and sometimes I can, after I say it, I think back, I say, maybe I could have said that even better, right? Um, but I do pray that, uh, like you say, it is, it's helping people. Um, uh, it's helping people to become disciples and to become saints. So, yeah. Um, thank you for your feedback. All right. On to today's show. Speaking of my desire to help people become saints, 
I have a great relationship with a number of the saints in heaven. Um, they are so, so necessary. Uh, yeah, and I love the saints. I love them so much. I, I love Jesus, and I also love the body of Jesus Christ. And and um, and so, yeah, the saints mean a lot to me. They've helped me so much in my relationship with Christ. And so first question comes in about praying to the saints from Tammy. Uh, Tammy says this, Father Josh, I absolutely love your podcast, and I have not missed an episode. I'm a cradle Catholic, and your podcast, in addition to a few other awesome podcasts, Catholic podcasts, have helped me to grow in my faith and my love for Jesus. Shout out to Jesus. More than I ever thought was possible. My husband of 11 years joined the church at the Easter Vigil in 2018. Praise God. That's so cool to hear. Um, During RCA classes, he learned a lot more than what I could have ever begun to tell him about. That being said, he still has a hang-up with how we pray to Mary and to the saints for the intercession for us. During our nightly prayer time, I've attempted to be more intentional with praying to the saints for the intercession, and I've been trying to learn more about various saints. One night, I specifically prayed for our Blessed Mother to help us to parent more like her and to be patient like she was in raising Jesus. After we finished, he said that he wasn't sure it was right that I asked Mary for help. I tried to explain that Mary can only help us through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and not of her own power. I think it was just the language I used during prayer that caused him to hesitate. So my questions are below. Number one, is there a correct way to pray to Mary or to the saints in such a way that it doesn't seem like we're worshiping them or asking them directly for their help through their own power? Number two, how can we properly explain that we pray to Mary and the saints uh, that we're not worshiping them? We believe that they're the living body of Christ in heaven, that they can pray for us and help us as members of the living body of Christ here on earth. Can, right? Why is this so hard for non-Catholics to understand? Thank you so much, and may God continue to bless you as you walk with so many of us while we deepen our faith. Tammy, Tammy, that is a great question. So a number of years ago, like five, six years ago, five years ago, I was, uh, I was assigned to LSU, um, Christ the King, and uh, growing up, I played basketball. I played basketball. Um, I wasn't great, but I played, right? I wasn't an all-star, um, but, you know, I enjoyed basketball. I enjoyed basketball. I enjoyed, I even enjoyed tennis for like a year, but um, anyways, That's me rambling on right now. And so because uh, basketball was my sport, other things I did for like PE or recess, but like they weren't my main thing. So running was never like a main thing for me. Uh, Now, when I got to Christ the King LSU, I picked up running and I began to run the LSU lakes, these beautiful lakes in Baton Rouge, LSU campus, loved it. And so I'd run pretty much almost every day. Um, But I ran with my basketball shoes on, my Jordans. I was running in my J's uh, and Jordans. That makes me think. So one time, story time, one time I was at a party at LSU when I was in high school. And this was like, you know, pre, you know, um, pre-vocation days before I heard the call. And, <laughs> and um, I was at this party and I was in high school at a college party I should not have been at. And I stepped on somebody who was wearing Jordans. I stepped on his shoes. I said, oh, my bad, bro. And he pulled a gun on me. Ah, crazy, right? Anyways, so back to my running story. So I would run every day. (laughs) I would run every day wearing my Jordans. And for those of you who are runners, you know you don't run in Jordans. Like, that's not running shoes. You get proper running shoes. And uh, and eventually, I began to experience a lot of, like, pretty intense pain in my knee, uh, severe pain with my IT band uh, because I was not reversing the part of my body, the foot. And because I was not reversing my foot, my knee got messed up because my knee got messed up. I could not sleep at night because I could not sleep at night. I could not wake up in the morning to pray well because I was not praying well. I could not preach well or teach well or evangelize or accompany my students on campus. All because I did not reverence my foot. So long story short, I ended up going to the, or 
short story long, depends on how you look at it. I ended up going to the the, the bone and joint clinic or knee doctor place, whatever, uh, in Baton Rouge. And I was sitting in the waiting room. And as I'm sitting down in my collar, my priestly clerics, there was this elderly woman who was sitting next to me. And she said, excuse me, sir, are you a minister? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, hey, look, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. And she said, look, I, I'm, I'm just having a lot of problems with my son right now. And and she began to share with me about his lifestyle and like what he was going through. And he, he strayed away from Christ and, and church and um, was doing things that just were not good for him and that were not helping him to be happy. Right? He was pretty miserable doing these things he was doing. And she said, can you please pray for him? Um, my son needs, needs your prayers. And I said, yeah, certainly. Let's pray right now. And so we, we held hands and we prayed together, maybe for like five minutes or so. And after we got done praying together, she thanked me. She was so grateful. And I said, ma'am, you know, you remind me a lot of St. Monica. St. Monica, she's from Africa, and her son Augustine from Africa as well. Um, he, like your son, was just living a crazy lifestyle for a long time, and he was not happy. He was restless as he was living that lifestyle, and his mother would pray and fast for him all the time. And, uh, and eventually, he ended up having a conversion, and he uh, was baptized, and he became a priest and a bishop and one of the greatest doctors and theologians of the church's history. And so I said, you might want to ask her also to pray for you, um, too, um, to go to Jesus with you about your son. And the woman's, like, disposition changed. And she said, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I don't, I don't go through other people to get to Jesus. I go straight to Jesus. I don't need other people to, to get to my God. And I said, oh, I mean, uh, ma'am, I, I, I reverence your heart, but I just want to remind you, 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 just, you just went through me to get to Jesus. You said, will you pray for me? So what's the difference between you saying, will you pray for me, and will St. Monica pray for me, right? Because you asked me to pray for you because you recognize that I'm, I'm a member of the body of Christ. You recognize I have a relationship with God, that I'm, a, I'm trying to abide in relationship with Jesus. And so you asked me to pray with you, for you, for your son. I did that. What's the difference between asking St. Monica, right? Is she not a necessary member of the body of Christ? I think a lot of people forget that Christ himself said that nothing will separate us from his love, um, not even death, not even death. And so if somebody like me was in relationship with Christ and in their time on earth and they were faithful to Christ, they persevered in their relationship with Christ by the grace of God, then when I get to heaven, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say, forget y'all down there on earth. I'm done with y'all. Uh, I'm not going to just be sitting around twiddling my thumbs and saying, like, I don't care about you. Even though I cared about you on earth, I don't care about you now. No, I'm going to continue to pray for you. If I pray for you on earth, I'm going to continue to pray for you in heaven. I'm a member of the body of Christ. Like, we can't say, I don't need you. St. Paul writes in Corinthians, says, you cannot say, the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. I can't say to other members of the body of Christ who have passed on into eternity, because you have passed on into eternity, I don't need you anymore. They are still necessary members of the body of Jesus Christ, just like I'm a member of the body of Jesus Christ. And people can't reject me. If you reject me, you're rejecting Jesus because I'm a member of the body of Christ. Remember, Jesus said to Saul, why are you persecuting me? So when we persecute the body of Christ, we're persecuting Christ himself. When we reject the body of Christ in heaven, the saints, we're rejecting Christ himself because he identifies himself with his people on earth as it is in heaven. Um, so I think the biggest thing, the biggest hang up, as you said, is there a correct way to pray that does not seem like we're worshiping them? And so, yeah, I think the word pray is just 
something that we need to define here, right? We always have to define our words. My friend, sister Miriam James, always defines words all the time. She's big in the definitions, right? Like love. How do we define love? Love is defined by St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa as desiring the greatest good for the beloved, right? Um, love isn't just feeling something for somebody or liking somebody or whatever. No, like love is desiring their greatest good. So how do we define pray? Because um, prayer, pray is it's an old English word. And the word pray actually means, get this, to ask. So in Protestant theology, the word has become synonymous with worship. But that is not the original use of the term pray. Pray means to ask, right? It is, it is not synonymous just with worship. Um, and so I think that's where the hang-up comes, because for people who are formed in the Protestant um, ecclesial communities, their only understanding of the word pray is with regard to worship. And so when they hear saints pray to Mary, Holy Mary, pray for us or whatever, they're like, wait a minute, I don't understand that. Worship for us or I'm, pr- I'm worshiping Mary? Not like we're asking Mary, we're asking the saints, just like the woman asked me. So the first thing is just to, to I think, clarify the definition. What does pray actually mean in its old English root? And it means to ask, um, not just to worship. And so, and I think that, yeah, so you can probably explain um, that we're not worshiping them in that, in that regard, right? Uh, and you're right, yeah, we do believe that the, the members of, uh, of heaven, the saints, are, are members of the body of Christ. Right? They are, are closer to us than we can imagine. Insofar as we're close to Jesus, we're close to them. Insofar as we're separated from Jesus, we're separated from them, right? Because they are together with Jesus, and they want to pray for us. Right? They desire to pray for us. In the book of Revelation, John describes um, heavenly worship. He said the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. They fell down before Jesus. In heaven, they're doing something. They're not just twiddling their thumbs, each holding a harp with golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The saints are praying in heaven. Right, The, the, the prayers of the saints are rising up. In Revelation 8, 4, it also says that the smoke of the incense rose with the prayers of the saints from the hand of the angel before God, right? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, um, St. Paul reminds us um, that, that intercession among the body of Christ on earth is good. It is good. It is pleasing to God. And so if our intercession is good and pleasing to God on earth, it's going to be good and pleasing to God in heaven as well from our brothers and sisters who are saints, and so, um, yeah, we can't separate, we cannot separate ourselves from them because they are united to Christ. And so I would just encourage your husband to, to view it that way. Like this is, we, we want to be in a relationship with Jesus, but our relationship with Jesus is not a personal relationship with him apart from the body of Jesus Christ, the church. And the church is not only in existence on earth, the visible church, but the church is also invisible in heaven as well. And so it's a gift to have brothers and sisters who can pray for us and with us Um, in our walk toward becoming saints ourselves. So hopefully that was an acceptable answer to your question. All right. All right, our next question coming up is from Jane, and it is also in connection with the saints because at every single Mass there are saints, and her question is about the communion fast that takes place at Mass. So Jane says this, Hi, Father Josh, I have a tricky question for you regarding the hour fast before Holy Communion. It surprises me how many people of all ages do not know about this fast. I do understand that this is a fast before communion and not the start of Mass, but there have been numerous times when friends, acquaintances, and various adults have been eating something or drinking coffee in that gray area time, where depending on the Mass length, you may not meet the fast, or even a few minutes before Mass. I don't think God is counting down the minutes 
in quotes, to have met the hour fast. But I also believe that as Catholics, we shouldn't want to cut it close just to eat food. We should be honoring this fast and devotion to our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. There have been a few instances where a friend has been about to eat something, and out of charity, I reminded them about the fast. But I'm confused as to when it is right for me to do so and when I should just hold my tongue. Because if these people truly do not know about the fast, it would be good if I told them. But I also don't want to commit a sin by not speaking up when I have the opportunity to kindly remind them about the fast. Great question, Jane. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. The, the fast is before you receive communion. Um, and, and the fast goes back all the way to the early church. The fast before communion goes back to the early church. And not only does the Council of Carthage speak about this, but the Code of Canon Law uh, today also um, reminds us that uh, one who is to receive the Most Holy Eucharist is to abstain from any food or drink with the exception of only water and medicine for at least the period of one hour before Holy Communion. Uh, so yeah, so what do you do? Uh, I, I would say if you see something, say something, right? With charity, right? People don't know what they don't know. When you know better, you do better. Um, and so that's, what, that's one thing I learned in one of my, uh, my courses in, uh, in justice I took uh, about institutional reforms. Uh, when you know better, you do better. And so just talk to them, like a normal conversation. Hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, um, but uh, the, the church has its fast. Um, and, and it's been around since the early church, and you know, it, it helps us to really prepare our hearts to receive the Eucharist and to prioritize the Eucharist and to show God in the Eucharist that He is the most important person for us, and that we want to glorify Him by fasting before we, re- we receive from the Holy Communion. And so, I just I'm not sure if you are aware. Very simply, very beautifully, very charitably, we can let people know things because I think most people might just not know, right? Um, you could also invite your pastor to write it, write about it in the bulletin of your local parish. Um, and you could share blogs about this on social media. And these are just all normative ways that you can have conversations with people. You can also bring up for conversation like that. You could say like, hey, I, I heard this podcast from Father Josh, and he talked about the, the, the fast before communion. Did you know about the fast before communion? This is what he said. Or, or I read this blog. Right There, there are, are non-rude ways that we can share the joy of the church's teaching in our walk toward eternity. So anyways, Jane, I hope that's helpful for you. Let me know. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. Don't forget, share us on your social media and rate us and review us on iTunes so other people can find out about the gift of the show. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. And if you're feeling fancy, record a voice note, and we'll play that on the show as well. Last question comes in from Anonymous, and it's about confession hopping. Uh, Anonymous writes this, thank you so much for your podcast. It's been so helpful for me. I'm not really sure how to phrase this question, but it's something I've been thinking about lately, so here goes. 
I'm quite involved in my parish. Now, so my parish priests have gotten to know me a lot better than they used to. I've kind of been avoiding going to confession recently because the priest knows me personally now. I'm no longer anonymous as such. I would rather go to confession at a different parish. There are others close by to do a good confession with the priest I don't know. Is this okay? Or should I just try and get over this fear embarrassment? I know it's a pride thing on my part, and they would just be happy that I go to receive the sacrament. Anyway, I'm wondering what advice you may have on this. How do you do a good confession with a priest you work closely with? Is it okay to avoid confession at your local parish and go to a different parish? Do you have any advice on how you've managed this in your own life? Yeah, great question, Anonymous. So, first of all, you are not obliged to go to confession to your parish priest, right? Um, you are certainly invited to go to your parish priest uh, if if you need to, but you can go to any priest for confession. You're not obliged to go face-to-face to your parish priest. Uh, that's why we have screens. Uh, so most churches have a screen option and face-to-face option. Uh, and so I certainly would encourage you, um, if you feel like you would be embarrassed and you want to remain anonymous, then that's one of the gifts of going behind the screen in the confessional. Um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it can be embarrassing to, to, to look at somebody when you're confessing your sins, and the church doesn't say you have to, right? So, yeah, you might have a fear there, and your fear is not of the Lord, right? Fears of the enemy. But you might also have, like, a, a reasonable um, uh, response to not wanting to be seen when you confess your sins. You don't have to go face-to-face. Uh, you have a right to be anonymous when you go to confession, just like you're anonymous right now on the podcast, right? Your name's not being released to the public. You're anonymous. So you can be anonymous in confession as well. Uh, if you want to go to your parish priest, I would say just go behind the screen. Um, or you can go to another priest uh, in your diocese, in your deanery. Um, and, and I just I, I think that if you did go to your parish priest, he wouldn't think different of you. Um, right? We hear confessions all day long. We've heard everything under the sun. At this point in my priesthood, I'm pretty sure I've heard most of that which you could ever imagine. And I've honestly forgotten most of it as well. I don't remember who said what, when they said what. Um, I just, th- th- those aren't things that we think about. I, you know, like you go to confession to us, we do a penance for you, we fast for you, we offer up a sacrifice, and we we move on, right? And so uh, you could not scandalize your, your parish priest, I'm sure. Uh, but again, you don't have to go face to face with them. You could be anonymous or you can go to somebody else. What do I do? I go, I have a, I have a confessor, you know, I have a confessor I go to, um, but uh, if I cannot make it to that confessor for whatever reason, then I'll just go to whatever priest is available. But yeah, I do understand um, that, yeah, it could be awkward going to some priest, right? And so that's why the uh, there is a screen option, right? You don't have to go face to face. So yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that that would be helpful. And again, this is one of my plugs for the screen is that I think sometimes my brothers and sisters in the Lord, they, they feel like I don't I don't want to be seen. And you don't have to be seen, right? You do not have to go face-to-face. And so um, the screen is always a great option, right? Everybody talks about the Benedict option or the Francis option or the Marian option. I'm going to bring back bring back the screen option for the sacrament of penance or reconciliation or confession or whatever you want to call it, uh, the sacrament that helps us become saints. Um, all right, so that wraps up today's show. Uh, don't forget, in the future, I want to do more themed shows like I did a while back on alcohol. Um, and so please write me your um, suggestions for themed shows that we could do in the future. Um, also, don't forget to rate us, review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and share us on your social media pages because this will help more people find out about the podcast and it could potentially help them become saints in their walk toward eternity with Christ. 
All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to relate our hearts to you and go beyond the surface with you and share everything. Lord, we invite you to share your heart with us in prayer, in the Eucharist and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, in the sacred scriptures, the Gospels, through, through people who are members of the body of Christ. We're open, Lord, to you sharing your heart with us. We receive you and we reverence you as you reverence us, Lord. Give us the grace to, to go deep, to not settle for mediocrity in prayer. Lord, if we've been unfaithful to our prayer lately, we repent. We apologize. If we have been um, not as attentive in our devotion to you um, during our time that we spend with you, we repent. And we ask you to give us the grace to, to be more practical in avoiding the near occasion of distraction and just to fall in love with you, Lord, to look at you, to praise you, to worship you, Lord. Lord, we praise you for the gift of prayer. Help us to go deeper with you, as deep as you want us to go, Lord, for our sanctification, for the transformation of the world, and just for the glory of our relationship with you. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, y'all. God bless. Cannot wait to continue walking with you toward eternity.